Genesis chapter 13, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzites dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plains of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor, then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from another. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Our Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, we want to thank you for the presence of God that has been in this place. Thank you, Lord, for moving and working in our midst today, for the good testimonies, the songs, and Lord, how we've been reminded of the love of God and that there is a record. And God, I'm glad that you're keeping a record of our souls and our salvation. I pray now this morning that you bless the reading of thy word. May it speak to every heart. For those that, uh, Lord, may be in the center of your will, may it be prevented maintenance for us. And God, for those that may be wandering in their soul. I pray, God, that it would pull them back to that place of repentance and renewal that they need to be at this morning. And for what you do, we'll love you, we'll praise you, and we'll thank you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I'm going to preach this morning on the departure of a backslider. The departure of a backslider. I plan on preaching God willing this morning uh, on not only the departure of a backslider, uh, but the deliverance of a backslider, the destruction of a backslider, and then finally tonight, the daughters of a backslider. And I pray that this is not just a series of sermons this morning, but I believe God put this on my heart to preach, and I believe that God is wanting to work in everybody's life. There may be those that uh, no doubt are backslid in their souls, but there are no doubt those of us that need to be reminded uh, that we don't need to backslide, especially in the day and hour that we're living in. And when we come to this text this morning, I want you to notice in verses 1 through 4, as we look at the beginning verses of this text here, we see the arrival. As the Bible talks about Abram in verse number 1, that he went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Now you know that when Abram was down in Egypt, he had a lapse of faith. Amen? And Egypt is never a good place for the child of God. Egypt is a picture and a type of the world. And so Abraham has learned his lesson 
land and he is coming up out of Egypt now. It's always a good day in the life of a child of God when they tell Egypt goodbye and they head toward Canaan. Amen? And so he is coming up out of Egypt. And we know here that Abraham, as he comes up, we see the wandering of Abraham, that he comes up out of Egypt, his, him and his wife, and, and lot with him unto the south. And then in verses 2 and 3, we see the wealth of Abraham, how that God had blessed him. The Bible said that Abram was rich in cattle, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai. So Abram comes up out of Egypt, and God had blessed him with great riches in verse number 2. And you know, I'm reminded of that verse where the Bible said, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Now Abraham hadn't always done what was right, but God had always done what was right unto Abraham. God had already proven to be faithful to him when Abraham had been unfaithful to God. And can I tell you that's true in all of our life? I'm glad that this morning as I stand here and as you sit here, we all have to raise our hand and say that God's been better to us than what we deserve. Amen? And I've not always been faithful. Amen? But God has always been faithful and God has blessed us in abundance just like he's blessed Abraham. And we see his wandering. We see his wealth. But we see Abraham's worship in verse number 4. The Bible said that when he came to Bethel, he came unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, Abraham was a worshiper, wasn't he? And he goes back to Bethel and he goes back to that place of worship. You see, he comes up out of Egypt and Abraham realizes that there's no worship when you're down in Egypt. Amen? He comes up out of the world and I'll tell you the first thing Abraham does is he gets his worship right. Amen? And can I tell you something? When you get out of the world, you'll get your worship right. Amen? You can go to a good church and sit under a good preacher, but if you live a worldly life, you'll always be hindered in that area of worship. And so we see the arrival. But look at verse number 5. We notice not only the arrival, but I see here in verse number 5 down to verse number 7 the argument. There's an argument that takes place in these verses here. It's not on Abraham's part. We know that it's between the herdsmen, but this argument, uh, listen, was because of Lot. The Bible said in Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Uh, uh, Lot has been blessed, uh, and Lot has been blessed because uh, he has been with Abraham. You know, there's a message in that itself, that if you'll hang with the right crowd, if you'll stay with God's people, there's a certain amount of blessings that comes of and falls upon people just by being in the right place. Now, I'm not telling you you can live wicked and be blessed. I'm just simply saying this, that the reason Lot had a good life was because he was with Abraham. It was Abraham's faith and Abraham's worship that had not only blessed him, but had blessed all those that was around him. Amen? And so we see here that this argument, it was because of Lot. It was because of the land. The Bible said the land was not able to bear in verse number 6 them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. There's a problem here in this text. The problem is that God had blessed them so much there wasn't enough room to contain Him. Is that not what the Bible says when He says I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing? You know God will bless a tither. Somebody say amen. 
By the way, we give our offerings at the welcome desk now on the way in and the way out. If you hadn't, or you uh, just as a reminder. But you know what? God will bless a tither. Uh, God will bless giving that 10%. And Lot had blessed uh, uh, Abraham. and I mean, God had blessed Abraham and God had blessed Lot to the point that there was not enough room in the land for both of them. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. Uh, but listen, this argument was because of Lot. It was because of the land. But it was also because of the leadership. Look at verse number 7. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. So there's a strife between those uh, uh, those foremen that are over uh, taking care of the cattle. Now had Lot been where he was supposed to have been at with God, he would have put an end to the strife. Amen? Uh, he would have involved Abraham. Uh, he would have took care of it himself uh, if it took fire in one of them or demoting one of them. But you know what he does? Uh, he doesn't do anything about it. Lot no doubt has his own agenda and his heart is already pointed in another direction and so Lot allows the strife to take place uh, and you don't see Lot stand, stepping in and taking care of the situation you're going to see Abraham step in and take care of the situation you know why that is? Uh, because spiritual men uh, are always peacemakers amen? Spiritual men are not troublemakers, uh, they don't try to cause trouble even though Abraham uh, was not the guilty party here, Abraham did what was right in spite of Lot. Amen. You know, if you're right with God, you want to be right with men. Is that right this morning? I don't want to be at odds with nobody. I may not agree with everybody and everybody may not agree with me, but I sure don't want to be at odds with people. I want to get along with folks. I want to live peaceably with all men if it be possible to do so. And I don't believe there's any ounce of spirituality in a preacher or in church members causing strife within the house of God. Somebody say amen. If I was to get up here in the pulpit and use it as a bully pulpit and was to attack someone personally, God wouldn't be in a million miles of that. It, listen, if somebody in the church was at odds with somebody else uh, and refused to get right with them, uh, with them over that, God's not in a million miles of that. We are to endeavor. That means to do our best uh, uh, to keep the spirit of the bonds of peace one with another. We're just supposed to try to get along down here. Amen. And I see here the argument. I see here not only that but the agreement. Look at verse number uh, 8. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. And between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. We see the tenderness of Abraham. He really wants to make things right with his brother. I want to be honest with you this morning. I want to make things right with any brother that I can. You can't win every battle. You can't win everybody. And I'm going to tell you something else. You can't win every brother. It takes two to have peace, don't it? There are people today that I would love to make peace with, but the fact is they're not living in peace. And we all know people like that. There's family members, there's friends. We could all testify that you just like to go to them, put your arm around their neck, and probably you have at some point, and say, brother or sister, I love you, and I just want things to be right. But they live a contentious life. They live a, a life of strife. And, and as sure as you do that, there may be some tears, and there may be some tenderness for the moment, but it just seems like they just keep 
going back into that. Isn't that right? Doesn't matter. No matter what you do, uh, uh, they're going to live that kind of life. Well, that's where Lot's at. He'd rather have strife uh, as to have peace. And so uh, we see here the tenderness of Abraham. We see the terms. As he said, is not the whole land before thee separate thyself. I pray thee from me, if thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So Abraham sets the terms here between him and Lot. And he says this. He said, Lot, he said, you choose whichever direction you want to go, and I'll go in the other direction. You know why Abraham could say that? Because he was spiritual, and Abraham's trust was not in the land. His trust was in the Lord. Amen? He was trusting God to take care of him, and he didn't have his eyes on what he could see. He had his eyes, uh, on, my friend, on the spiritual things of God. Amen? Brother Laddie said it this morning, I think to quote him correctly, but I think I'll quote it right, but life is not in the things of this world. Our, our faith is not in what we possess down here. Our faith is what we have over yonder. And Abraham being that man of faith. Now, when you get to verse number 10, Lot is at a crossroads in his life. He's about to separate from Abraham. You know, Lot did okay as long as he was with Abraham. But the time came for him to separate. Can I tell you the time comes in all of our life when we have to separate? Brother, you can have a good church and, 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 and be under good preaching and, and you can be surrounded. Uh, you can have good parents and, and all those things are wonderful. But there comes a time in all of our life when we come to a crossroad and we have to make a decision as to which way we're going to go. Amen? And Lot, in verse number 10, is standing at that crossroads. Abraham, being the spiritual man, has laid it out before him. Now, if Lot would have had an ounce of spirituality about him, Lot would have said, Oh, no, Abraham... You listen, everything I have is because uh, I've been with you and because of your faith and your worship. And no doubt Abraham was instrumental in bringing Lot to God. If it wouldn't have been for Jesus saying he vexed his righteous soul in the counsel of the ungodly, we'd all thought he went to hell. But no doubt Lot was a man of faith uh, because of Abraham's faith had, been, had touched his life. Amen. But Lot, in a time when he could have said, Abraham, you choose. You know what he does? He chooses himself. Can I say this morning that he's about to depart from Abraham and it's going to be one of the worst decisions of his life. Now, I don't personally believe that Lot should have ever been with Abraham. If you go back to Genesis chapter number 11, you know that Lot's father dies. Uh, uh, listen, Haran dies uh, when he's just probably a young boy or maybe a young teenager. He's not very old and so he goes to live uh, with his grandfather Terah and Terah dies. Uh, and so Lot has had a lot of tragedies in his life. He's lost his father. He's lost his grandfather. He's living with his uncle. Abraham takes three major journeys. Uh, he goes from uh, Ur to Haran uh, and then from Haran Haran to, uh, to, to, to Canaan and then from Canaan to, to Egypt and back a, a, a round trip from Egypt back to Canaan and Lot's had a lot of tears and he's had a lot of travels in his life as a young man. He's been shifted around a lot in his life uh, and if you look at, at Abraham's call, Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and verse number 13 he makes it clear that the call that Abraham received was when he was in the Ur uh, down to, to Haran, not down to Canaan but I want to tell you, Abraham uh, does not respond immediately and when he does in chapter number 12 he takes Lot with him. That was not the commandment that God had given Abraham. He was to leave all of his kindred behind. Amen. But he takes Lot with him. 
You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying if you understand the life that Lot has lived up to chapter 13, understand he's had a very dysfunctional life. Lost his father, lost his grandfather, living with his uncle. Some might would say, well, had it not been for Abraham, he would have lived and served pagan gods and, and he would have died and went to hell. But the God of Abraham is still the God of Lot. Amen? And doing wrong, just because something good comes out of it, it doesn't justify. Had Abraham just stepped out by faith and went on and done what God called him to do. Don't you think God was big enough to work in Lot's life just like he did in Abraham's life? He's big enough to, to have worked in his life, but perhaps even Lot himself is a casualty of circumstances. I don't know. What I do know is that regardless of what has happened, like every man, he's faced with a choice. You can't look back through life and blame the circumstances of life on the bad decisions that we make. People do that all the time. They say, well, you know, uh, and I understand some people didn't have the, the opportunities that others have had, but some look back and say, well, uh, you, you're blessed more and, and you got a better life. But, but look at where, and they always are a victim of circumstances. They're always talking about, but you know what? You can make the right decision. It doesn't matter where you're living. Uh, I'm telling you, there's been people that's lived in worse circumstances uh, than those that, that say they're victims of it, but they wanted to do what was right. And they looked to God and God helped them. And Lot has been blessed regardless of whether he should have been in Abraham's life or not. Lot has been richly blessed. Uh, he has more than he ever thought he would have had. And Lot could have made the right decision, but he's at that crossroads in his life. You never know when somebody here this morning may be at a crossroads in life. And what I want you to see is that Lot makes the wrong decision for three reasons. Look at these three reasons and we'll be through. Number one, because he was weak in his devotion to God. The Bible said that he lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah as the garden of the Lord. You know what Lot does? He makes a decision without praying about it. He makes a decision without worshiping God. He, he makes a decision without taking counsel from someone more spiritual than he is, Abraham. He could have looked at Abraham and said, Now, Abraham, I don't want to do the wrong thing here. Abraham, what do you suggest that we do? Abraham, if you'll tell me the direction that you've been beneficial in my life to this point and you've helped me along the way uh, spiritually, Abraham, would you help me pray about what we need to do here? And, and Abraham, if you'll give me some counsel, I'll follow that counsel. Abraham was the authority in his life. Don't you think God would have blessed him if he'd have prayed about his decision? Don't you think God would have blessed him if he'd have spent a little time worshiping and trying to hear from heaven? And don't you think God would have blessed him if he'd have looked to someone much wiser and someone who had walked with God much longer than what he had and said, Abraham, uh, would, would, would you help me? Don't you think things could have turned out differently? But like a lot of young people today, you can't tell him nothing. There are young people that listen I'll tell you, one of the tragedies of youth is that you think you know it all, when in reality you don't know anything. You know, as well as I do, the older we get, the more we realize how much we don't know. Is that true? 
I think the wisdom of old age has to be uh, the, to realize the ignorance of youth. Amen. Uh, well, listen, I remember when I was in my 20s, it seemed like every older person I got around, uh, just and I'm not for this, but it just seemed like it's how it was. It seemed like they always looked at you like you was young and dumb. Amen. Well, one of the reasons because there's some reality in that. You are young. Thank God you're young, but you've not experienced a lot of things in life, so to a lot of things, you're dumb to it. Amen. Outside the wisdom of God and prayer, we'll surely make the wrong decision. But what older people realize is they've made their share of mistakes. Uh, they've went down the wrong road enough to know uh, that, listen, you ought to pray about things before you just jump into them. And young people are quick on the draw. They're quick to pull the trigger. Isn't that right? Uh, without ever thinking about the repercussions and the consequences. Now, the only tragedy of that is that you get in your late years of life or middle age and you hadn't learned your lesson by then. Amen. I have seen some people. That's their pattern all throughout life. Amen. But what happens to Lot here is that there's no God in verse number uh, verse number 10 as far as uh, uh, the, uh, Lot doesn't seek the Lord. He's weak in his devotion. And can I tell you there's a lot of people today the reason they depart in a backslid state is because they don't pray and they don't seek God. They never find the mind of God or never think about the will of God when it comes to decision making. Now you know where Lot could have, what Lot could have said about this? He could have said, Brother Kim, this isn't a spiritual decision. This is a financial decision. This is a decision concerning my business, my, my land. It's, it's not, I don't really got to pray about a job. I don't really got to pray about a direction of where to move to or, or where to go to. I don't really got to ask God about that. It's just, it's just a matter of logic. It's just a matter of common sense. Uh, there's too much, uh, there's too much, uh, 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 too much, uh, uh, livestock for the land and there's a strife here. He could have justified. No doubt he did every bit of it. And he could have just said, you know, I've been given the, Abraham didn't say nothing about praying. He just told me to choose. And so he could have threw it all off like that and said, well, you know, I'm just going to look and, and I'm just going to see what's the best decision for me. You know the way people make decisions today? They don't pray and seek God like they used to. They don't ask, Lord, what, do you, what wilt thou have me to do? That's what Paul said, wasn't it? God, what's your will for my life? I wonder how many decisions could we look back in and say, man, that led me down the wrong road. You didn't get out of church and you didn't go to living wild and nothing, but, but you made a foolish decision because you didn't pray about it. And I see here that it was all about his sight. In verse number 10, he lifted up his eyes. It was all about himself. In verse number 11, look what he said. Then Lot chose him all the plains. It's all about what Lot wants. It's all about success. In verse number 12, uh, as he looks and he pitches his tent towards Sodom. And it's all about sinning. In verse number, uh, verse number 13, the men of Sodom were wicked, exceeding sinners. Uh, Lot should have took that in consideration above everything else. Uh, he should have looked at that and said, wait a minute, I got no business being near Sodom. I promise you this, no matter what Lot would have done, Abraham would not have pitched his tent towards Sodom. Amen? He wouldn't have had anything to do with that wicked lifestyle. He would have kept a separation between there. But Lot takes down the barrier. Why? Because he was weak in his devotion to God. How's your devotional walk with God? How's your prayer life? How's your Bible reading? Do you spend time in the Word? He was weak in his devotion. A second reason that Lot made such a bad decision was because he was worldly in his desires. You know why Lot, in verse number 13, why he pitched his tent towards such wicked men? Because that's what was in Lot's heart. Lot didn't go there blinded. 
He went there with his eyes wide open. He didn't, walk, he didn't sin against darkness. He sinned against light. He had walked with Abraham enough to know what worship was. He, he had walked with Abraham enough to know what God could do in his life. He didn't need Sodom and their, and their uh, wicked living. He, he knew that if he lived a righteous life that God would be good to him just like he had witnessed it in the life of Abraham. You say, well, then preacher, why did he go there? It wasn't about cattle. It wasn't about land. It wasn't just about well-watered plains. Uh, but he liked the lights of that city. He looked at that lifestyle. And Brother Laddie, when he saw it... He said, boy, it looks a whole lot more exciting over there than Uncle Abraham's life. All he wants to do is work and build altars and worship God. He just got kind of a, a boring life. All he wants to do is just live by faith. But look at those men in Sodom. I know they're doing some things that Abraham wouldn't do and some things that Jehovah said we ought not do, but, but it sure looks attractive over there. Can I tell you something? The devil always has the watering hole for anybody that'll go there. But can I tell you what's under that watering hole? A slime pit. Amen? because when you get to chapter 14 the Bible talks about the slime pits of Sodom. Amen. I'm telling you the devil's got a slime pit. Uh, it may look good on the surface uh, but I tell you you don't have to get too far in it to know that it's nothing more than quicksand uh, and it'll pull you down. Uh, I'm telling you listen it'll drag you down uh, and Ab or Lot uh, uh, looks at it uh, and he had worldly desires in his heart. You see, he didn't get up one day and say, you know what, I think I'll pack up and just move right into the city of Sodom. Oh, no. Step by step, day by day, he inched a little bit closer because that was what was in his heart. Once he saw one Sodomite, it should have been enough for him to turn around and say, that's not the life for me. You know what, that's what the devil does today. He gets you to miss one service. If he can get you to lay out of one service, and I'm not talking about because you're sick, I'm not talking about because you have to work, I'm not talking about because of this virus that's went around, but I'm talking about you just chose to stay home. If he can get you to miss one time, he can get you to miss 20 times. If he can get you to stay home and watch the Super Bowl, he can get you to stay home and watch a ball game. He can get you to stay home and watch NASCAR. He can get you to stay home and, and watch whatever, whatever it is. I, I don't know. He can get you to do anything. You know why? If he can get you to give up in one area, back up in one area, you'll back up in some other areas. Amen. If he can pull you in this direction just a few steps, he'll get you to go a little bit further. I see here that he was worldly in his desires. He was weak in his, in his devotion. And then it's very clear to see in this text that Lot was wrong in his decision. You know, the, the thing is, if you could stop him in verse 10 and say, now wait a minute, Lot. It's a bad decision you're about to make. Lot, if this is going to happen in your life, if you, if you go there, Lot, I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen is you're going to wind up living in Sodom. You're going to wind up in, in slavery and, and prison and, and Abraham's going to have to bail you out and then you're going to go back to Sodom again and you're going to get inside the gate this time and get on the city council and you're going to build a name up but God's going to destroy that city and your wife's going to turn into a pillar of salt and you're going to have two bastard children by your own daughters. You know what Lot would have done? He'd have looked at you and said, that's not going to happen to me. That may happen to other people, preacher, but I'm not going that way. In fact, I'm not even thinking about living in Sodom and, and my wife, a pillar of salt. How foolish. You just think you, you know everything, but, but, but preacher, all I'm doing is just taking my cattle to a watering hole. I can't help it if Sodom happens to be close to it. Isn't that the way people think? 
Because you never see the end result of bad decisions. He makes a terrible decision. But it really revealed what was in Lot's heart. I want to say to you this morning, when you think about it, when you think about, the, think about people's life, not being judgmental when I say this, but we all know somebody, a family member, somebody, that there are people that tell me they're saved. I don't know more believe they're saved than anything. I'm not being judgmental, but I ain't seen, I've not seen one thing that ever from the time they said they got saved to where they're at. I've never one time seen any spirituality in their life. Now, there's no other explanation. They can say it all day long, but, uh, you know, brother, as far as I'm concerned, they're lost as a billy goat. And I'll pray for their souls to be saved. But there are people that say they're saved that I've watched God whip the daylights out of them. I mean, their life goes from bad to worse. And there's times that, that you know, you, you pray for them, you witness to them, you try to help them, and, and they just seem like they can't get, they can't get. I think about somebody I know right now, my family, that I believe they're saved. And you know why? Because it just seems like they, can't, they can never get ahead. If I was to give them a million dollars today, they wouldn't get ahead. They can't get ahead. It seemed like their life just, uh, get, you know what? And one day I was talking to this individual and they said, I just don't understand why things are going so bad in my life. I said, it's a series of bad decisions. I said, you want to have to go back. You have to go back to where you're making right decisions. I said, where was that at? And you know what they said to me? When I was in church. When I was reading my Bible. I said, that's right. I said, your life's not going to get better. Your life's going to get worse. I said, you can't, you can't live out of the will of God and be blessed. Somebody say amen. amen. And you can be in church and be out of the will of God. I'll tell you what I think about this morning as she comes and gets us a song ready. I was thinking uh, this morning that in my own life, it's so easy to backslide. Friend, you can backslide in this pulpit. A lot of preachers have done it. I don't want to be backslid this morning. What I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself this morning. The departure doesn't begin when you go out the door. The departure doesn't begin when you say, I'm done with church, I'm done with the Bible, I'm done with, with, with living for God. No, the departure, you know where it started? It started a long time before Lot ever had to make this decision. Had his heart been right, he would have done the right thing. But somewhere along the way, Abraham went to an altar one day and Lot didn't go with him. Somewhere along the way, Abraham went to an altar one day and Lot may have went, but he wasn't concerned. Uh, he wasn't interested. It wasn't in his heart anymore. He already lifted his eyes up long before verse number 10 and was thinking and seeing things that he ought not be seeing. I wonder this morning as we stand, I want you to ask yourself one question this morning. I'm preaching to save people, obviously. Ask yourself one question this morning. Do inventory with this question. It's the same question the Holy Spirit asked me when I finished this sermon. Does anything have your heart other than me? Is there anything that you're more devoted to, anything you're more invested in, anything you're more committed to, anything you desire and love and long for any more than me? Well, I'm telling you, when God asked me that, it made me do some soul searching. I appreciate the blessings of God. I appreciate the goodness of God. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. Abraham was a rich man and he loved God. But the riches didn't have Abraham. The blessings didn't have Abraham. And I don't want the things of the world to have me. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. I want to love God more than anything, don't you? Sometimes within my flesh I find that struggle. That's the great commandment to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
with all thy soul, with all thy mind. How much do we love him this morning? While our heads are bowed as she plays for a moment, I want to give you the opportunity to come to the altar. If you need to come this morning, we'll say, well, preacher, I'm not going to the world. I don't think you are. I'm preaching to a crowd. I don't believe you are with your life. But what about in your heart this morning? Backsliding begins in small areas, not great areas. Is there some area of your life that you need to come, put on this altar and say, Oh God, I, I don't want to go back in that area. I, I don't want to depart in my personal prayer life. I don't want to depart in my Bible reading. I don't want to depart in those areas that's important, my commitment to soul winning. Lord, I don't want to depart in my devotion, my love, just my love. Maybe you're doing all those things, but the passion's not there. The hunger, the desire. Days like we're living in can either create a stronger desire to love God or it can weaken us if we're not committed. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll take the message this morning. Probably not a soul here that at some point in our life we've, we've backslid in some area. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that draws us, reminds us, pulls us back where we need to be at. God, help us this morning if we lift our eyes. Help us to not see the well-watered plains, but help us to see the vast destruction that weak devotion, that worldly desires, and that wrong decisions can bring in all of our lives, no matter who we are this morning. Help us to be like Abraham, men and women of faith, committed to the cause. And thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the riches of this life you've given us. But God, far above that, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we not let the blessings for, for, cause us to forget the blessing. Lord, we thank you this morning. I pray now that you'll have your will and your way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.